Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back, everybody. Thank you guys so much for joining us once again as we dive further into the world of games. So this week we are going to be tackling an idea that is being shared across media and it's something that's very commonplace nowadays. It's we see it everywhere across movies, games, you name it, it's happening. They take the most sweetheart idea and turn it into a gritty reboot to try and, you know, be a little edgy. It's a little edge lords there. It's weird, but it's interesting. Um, I, I think honestly, so Ooh, actually, I forgot to bring this up with you earlier when we were talking, just, you know, off mic. Uh, but probably the grittiest reboot that I have seen to date. I don't know if you've heard of this, but the Winnie the Pooh movie. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, that got a 2%. <laughs> Did it really? It, it, it's bad. It's bad. What about uh, Winnie's Hole? Oh, God. No. Have you seen that? <laughs> no, I haven't. Winnie uh, the Pooh is a parasite. And you're I'm inside afraid. of them. Oh, God. Talk about Gritty Reboot. There you go. But yeah, no, if it, people don't know, there's a, mo- a horror movie out there. It's a brand new horror movie. Uh, it's Winnie the Pooh. And Christopher Robin, you know, forgot about his friends. And so they turned to cannibalism instead. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, it's weird as hell. But no, Gritty Reboots are so commonplace, especially in movies, I would say. Uh, we, we see it so many different times. Uh, when it comes to like even look at Batman, Batman's gone through a really crazy reboot and for the better. Some of them are good. Some are a little less good. Right. Uh, I mean, we have the freaking Power Rangers getting a crazy gritty reboot back and not too long ago, about six years ago nowadays. So it's very, very interesting to see what they come up with. I mean, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles now looks all crazy. It looks pretty cool, but just weird stuff and then they keep trying to bring back fantastic four i they just need to stop and apparently they're making another one after again yeah they're trying again (laughs) they just keep trying for some reason they just need to give up on fantastic four honestly it just doesn't work it's never really interesting but like i said sometimes it could be for the better or for the worse and some of the ideas that they come up with are really, really out there where it's a complete departure from what the original media source was or for today's episode, what the original game was. And, you know, like one, probably the game that really made us bring this up is, I mean, you beat it already. I'm playing it right now. But Final Fantasy 16 is, I mean, we would say probably a gritty I mean, it's like a gritty sequel or a gritty a gritty new addition to the final fantasy franchise this is the first time that a game a final fantasy game has been rated m for mature and it's bloody they curse there's murder death plot like it's there's so much in this game and i mean i absolutely love it and i'm here for it but i know a lot of people are saying it's just game of thrones final fantasy version it, you know that's okay I'm okay with it. I'm liking it. I didn't like Game of Thrones, but I love this. <laughs> if they made a show out of this, I'd watch it. because It's freaking rad. But it's it's just interesting to see what they're willing to do nowadays and like what kind of changes they're willing to make with their games um, and to keep a franchise alive or to just bring it back from the dead. Uh, and sometimes it takes a big splash to bring something back. Like it could... It could be the game that just gets people talking about the franchise once again 
and then they can come back and make another one that's not as gritty and more true to the to the original source and everything right like it it almost feels like it's just an attention grabber to be like hey remember this and then they give us mm-hmm. something normal again so all right there, there's a lot out there for sure I think that's the thing is that they just want to test the waters to see if people are interested in it rather than just like posting on social media like so what do you guys all think of uh this you know and see what people think you know because creating a reboot and trying to guess if the current generation or current you know interest pool would like that because you know i feel like reboots and this is beyond games too when you're rebooting something you're either gonna like stick to older you know like the original and maybe Mm -hmm. just kind of help it move into the next generation or you just create something totally like insane and different like for me i feel like a good reboot or a reboot done right uh cobra kai i thought oh yeah I thought that, was, that was able to blend old with new so damn well that I was uh, karate kid was okay back in the day, like wax on wax off, whatever. But what you didn't like Daniel San. <laughs> it was cool. I was more a fan of the wizard. That movie. Well, the wizard was dope. That was a good movie. So, yeah, I, I like my early American shonen uh, movies, you know, yeah but uh it it did it right and i saw some people bring up like oh well twin peaks did it too and i'm like eh, i don't know i know people said they like season three i, I eh. yeah and I it was interesting like, it's different right? it it did something new and i think it did it well but I was kind of hoping for the old and, you know, it's still better than a lot of other reboots out there. You know, think about like, Oh God, there was one recently that Netflix really screwed up. And I mean, Netflix is like the Kings at screwing up these kind of things sometimes, you know, like, well, one that was a deep cut for me was Ultraman. I don't like the new Ultraman. Oh, I forgot about that. I, I, I'm not a big fan of that 3D animation and I'm an Ultraman fan. I have the original box set, right? Like, Damn. I love that show. Yeah, I still have all those DVDs. <laughs> like, they're just sitting in a box right now. But, like, I really do enjoy that show a lot and it holds a good, like, a special place in my heart. Like, my, my nostalgia brain fires off every time I hear about it. But that new one, I just, I don't know, there's something about it. I just couldn't get into it. And Netflix does that all the time. Like, I feel like they have so much stuff that they just try and make edgy just to be edgy. And I'm just like, stop sometime. It, but, like, every once in a while, they, you know, swing for the fences and they get a really big hit. Like, look at Arcane. Arcane was amazing. Mm-hmm. And they took it from just, like, a weird, just a concept of Riot game character. So, like, at least they're trying, I guess. Right? Like, yeah. can't all oh, be winners. Godzilla versus Kong. Godzilla always gets cool reboots, though. Yeah, that was a good movie. I just don't like Kong. Yeah, Kong sucks. You know what was cool though? Remember yeah. Godzilla, like when we were kids, like that one from the early two thousands that was like 
I don't know. I feel like Taco Bell had a really big uh, ad presence with it. It was that weird, skinny, scaly kind of Godzilla. You're making, uh, man, if people could see my face right now. <laughs> what? No. Godzilla 2000? Are you serious? Hell yeah, dude. It was so cool and edgy. Like, oh, hell uh, yeah. You know, there's actually a Japanese Godzilla movie. I think it was like Godzilla Destroy All Monsters that came out after that one. And they put that new American Godzilla from Godzilla 2000 in it. And the Japanese Godzilla killed it in like 30 seconds. Oh, my God. <laughs> Like they, they like Japan clearly said like, that's not a real Godzilla. That's just a kaiju that was mistaken as one. And the real Godzilla just like manhandled that thing. It's so freaking funny. <laughs> I'll have to look for that. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's definitely worth checking out. So, <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Yeah, I totally forgot. Even just about that in general, and I was thinking like, oh, what from the 2000s? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that one. And I mean, Star Wars, too, I guess, you know, they they tried to make the prequels kind of edgy and dark. And uh, I mean, episode one, screw that. But uh, episode two, you know, the emo Anakin. Oh, I love that shit. Make him angry. Make him mad. Like, um, it was cool. You know, but um, you were bringing up Final Fantasy, and yeah, that was actually the reason what made me think of this. Because, yeah, it's weird thinking, you know, Final Fantasy M rated, even though, you know, past Final Fantasies had dark themes, it just wasn't as edgy as 16 was. Like, I, a lot of people, obviously, Game of Thrones, they've admitted that that was their influence. But, you know, thinking back that, you know, some of the teams that worked on 16 also worked on Final Fantasy Tactics, which was pretty dark. Same with Tactics Ogre. I mean, there's beginning of one of the Tactics Ogre's games where you're basically leading a massacre. And Yeah, it's funny that, like, that's easy to forget. Yeah. Right. Like because of the chippy characters and the style, like it's not as like action oriented because like, the tactics part of it. So it almost takes away for some of the like grittiness of that. What's actually happening. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you look back at old Final Fantasies and it's like, yeah, I mean, Final Fantasy four was kind of dark six. I mean, I, I remember when seven came out, people were like, whoa, Final Fantasy's taking a dark turn. But it's like, that's only because it was 3D and you really saw, like, how nasty Midgard looked, right? And then or people the fact were like, that we saw Aerith get stabbed through the heart. Yeah. Spoilers, it, where people haven't played that game. <laughs> and I remember when 8 came out, people were like, this game's edgy. Like, people didn't like it. Like, I feel like Final Fantasies every once in a while always have that kind of, like, this game is the edgiest one in the franchise, but I feel like this one finally took that and kind of yeah. ran with it. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, there were some edgy things in 16 and, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, I still enjoyed my time with it. And, uh, I feel like once you beat it, we'll go a little more into our thoughts on it have a little spoiler cast, or even just have like a little separate recording that will, put up for y'all with our thoughts on it 
Yeah, there's uh, a lot of thoughts. Trust us. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of questions I still have that I'm still thinking about, which, you know, that, that's yeah. a good sign for a game if I'm still thinking about it, like, uh, a week so later. I'm so excited to play through this still. Uh, I'm, like, really taking my time. I'm doing every side quest. Oh, I've done every hunt so God far. Like, I've, I've, I just, as soon as I see a green, like, explanation point, I'm like, I gotta go. <laughs> like like they're like oh wait we have to go over here. i'm like nope <laughs> this person really needs me to deliver these seeds <laughs> okay i need to go do this <laughs> oh my god yeah no i want that fame i want that acclaim that comes with it there's so much there i love this game oh, it's so good but you know i would say final fantasy 16 is definitely an example of a good gritty reboot for a game or just like a gritty uh, like addition to a franchise itself now yeah. not every single one of them is good um as far as these introductions to a franchise and one of them that really does like kind of stood out to me as not a good way to start off or to revamp a franchise uh and it's kind of a funny one and i don't like i don't think you played it uh, maybe you did i don't know but and i know i didn't play it because it's just kind of so out there uh but bomberman act zero um Ooh. yeah that's a this is a thing so like bomberman if those of you are familiar um and for those of you that aren't i mean it's a simple game where it's a top-down game where you drop bombs they black they blow up in a cross pa uh, pattern um, you're trying to destroy obstacles to get that are in your way to take out your opponent. And it's all with like kind of cute, adorable graphics. Like the characters, like Bomberman himself is a very adorable, like little character. The gameplay is rather simplistic. I actually remade Bomberman in Unity um, for the kids that I'll be teaching next month. Uh, just to kind of give them something like a nod to the past. But Act Zero is a full 3D, like, the way that the bombermen look like they are just men <laughs> that have like bombs and weird gadgets like bolted into them like it's this weird looking apocalyptic like nightmarish version of bomberman and it's so bizarre and such a departure from the franchise itself and i think that's something that like people need to kind of realize like yeah, it's a good like it could be a good thing to do something a little bit more dark or edgy or like a, a, a departure from the franchise to try and breathe life back into it. But when you go that far from the original source, it's kind of hard to really catch anyone's interest anymore because new players are looking at it and just being like Bomberman like that's that's a name that people know. Right. And so they just are like, ah, that's not the game for me. And the people who love the Bomberman games originally, it's such a departure from the franchise that it probably like made them walk away from it, right? Like so it there's like a fine middle ground to or like to find between this stuff. And oh my gosh, did this go so dark <laughs> and weird for that franchise? It's threw me off. It was in an era that er like they were trying to reboot a lot of older titles and trying to make them more give them some more attitude, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. the 360 era, which quite a few of the games we're going to be talking about are from that era because, you know, that was a time like, oh, 3D graphics are finally decent. 
you know, they're not as blocky as the PS2 and they run better. So why not make things just look cooler? And Mm -hmm. my only experience with this Bomberman game is I remember uh, a while ago, I was trying to buy all of the console 360 exclusive games because I'm weird and just want exclusives that you can't get anywhere (laughs) else. And I was looking at this game and I was like, oh, wow, this game is really cheap. And uh, I I ended up not getting it. Um, And I was just like, oh, this is weird. You know, like Mm -hmm. I never heard of this game back in the day. And yeah, this is it. It's a weird stretch. You know, I there's definitely been weird reboots, but this one is just kind of it. It's it went in a really weird direction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I And so another one that took a old franchise and tried to make it new again with these new 3D graphics. This is GameCube era, but the original game came out in 1978. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like from 1978 to GameCube. That's a pretty big jump there. But so Space Invaders, which I'm sure a lot of people or everyone should know if you enjoy games because you should be looking up your gaming history. <laughs> Space Invaders was one of the most popular games in the wor- world at the time in 1978 and the premise of it is rather simple there's aliens coming down and you have to shoot them but they're coming down in like a it's like a row shooter right so you're shooting up into the sky as they're starting to come down at you so there's a game that came out much later called space raiders which is the spiritual successor to space invaders that is a full like dark version of this game where you're basically like in a bunch of roads or alleys and you're at the end of it and the aliens and monsters are coming down the street at you and you're a person with a gun and you have to go back and forth and shoot them. And you have like abilities attached to it and things like that. Uh, And it's just, it's once again, it's such like a big jump where it's, I, I guess you could say that the, due to the pixel art back in the day, like maybe this is exactly what they wanted Space Invaders to be. Right. Like maybe this is this is the idea that they had. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Right. Like maybe. But they didn't have the graphics to actually make it happen where we always thought it was aliens like flying down from the sky. Well, they didn't have 3D graphics to make it look like they were on the same street as you. Right. (laughs) So uh, like this could be the actual original intent for this game. And it's weird. It's terrible. (laughs) It's it doesn't look good. And it's. It's a, it's kind of rough to look at, honestly. But yeah, if you want to check it out, it's on GameCube. I mean, there you go. <laughs> it's it's an interesting departure from a, a very well-known franchise. And uh, I'm not surprised that we haven't really heard much from it. Yeah, I'm like, hmm. And I was just thinking about how there was a reboot of Altered Beast. And while it wasn't mind-blowing, I'm like, at least it was just your typical PlayStation 2, like, action game compared Mm -hmm. to this, where it's like, what the hell were they thinking? It's like Uh, an arcade rail shooter game. I don't know, it's weird looking. Yeah, I I feel like the PS2 saw some weird kind of reboots, too. I remember um, Spyro had this, like, weird second trilogy right after the first three movies they had this like or games they had the what was like a new beginning or something like that 
And he was like, he had a little more attitude than he did back on the PlayStation 1 games, which, I mean, can you believe that? He already had a little attitude. But, what? uh. What? They, they made mascots with the attitude? <laughs> yeah. Toe tapping, head shaking, and. Tribal tattoo rocking. And like, <laughs> oh God. And I mean, these games had Elijah Wood as Spyro, freaking David Spade was in there. Gary really? Oldman, yeah. Like it it was kind of weird. I mean, these aren't bad games either. I, I've played one of them, uh, I think it was the second game in that trilogy. And uh Yeah, I mean, they were okay, you know. I would say probably maybe like a six or seven out of ten. Uh, hey, that's not bad. That's not too bad. Yeah, it, they're definitely more action-oriented Spyros versus you know they're more easy, friendly first three mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I feel like for me, another reboot around this time that kind of stuck out to me was a uh, tomb raider oh and yeah i remember when this came out i mean tomb raider had a bunch of kind of small reboots i feel like like i feel like they tried they they remade one with slightly better graphics mm-hmm. and then they were always trying to make tomb raider relevant again and then with this reboot when it first came out i remember people were interested in it because i mean her model looked really good granted she looked totally different it wasn't the laura croft that we were all used to you know uh, you mean you know no, what i mean yeah mm-hmm. i think we all do yeah yeah but she had nice hair uh, i'll never forget watching that trailer and that was the only thing i noticed i was like oh wow that hair looks so realistic goddamn you know square enix the hair looks fantastic but what really tripped me out the most about that game was if you walk down a really tight hallway, it was one of the first games that did this, where every once in a while while you're running down the hallway, she'll kind of reach her hand out and touch the wall. Oh, like, I to, forgot about that. And just like kind of keep walking as if like, this is a tight quarter. This is really like, I'm getting close to things, right? Like, so mm-hmm. that was a really interesting time. And it was random. So it wasn't just like every single time you did it. So it, it, it was a really cool like humanistic touch that I really enjoyed about that game. But the, another thing, too, that I really loved about the new franchise or the new like reboot of it was the equipment and her gear. Like everything actually mm. made sense. Yep. Everything like was perfectly placed. Like she had harnesses where she needed harnesses. Like they did their homework on this one. And like this version of Laura Croft, I like that's Laura Croft to me. Like if Laura Croft was a real person or like that, that's what it should have looked like. Right. Shouldn't have looked like Angelina Jolie, right? It, you know, like you don't like locking <laughs> the butler up. No, oh, God. <laughs> like it's just such a weird, like it. None of that felt like realistic or like practical in any sense of the way. But in this version of Tomb Raider, it everything felt practical and it had a purpose to it. Nothing was just for fluff or flair. Like it was actually very well done and a very believable character. Yeah, and I remember when this came out, it got a lot of heat because the death scenes were kind of intense. A lot of people were like, oh, this game is misogynistic because it's like you see this woman just get massacred or murdered. And I'm just like, that's a death scene, dude. Like, 
She did get impaled a lot, though. Yeah, I'll never forget missing a jump in, in the water. It's just, you see her like swimming, and I don't know, or it's just impaled on a rock. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> you yeah, know? it was pretty vicious. <laughs> but uh, that reboot was great. I actually really liked it. I haven't played the other two games in that trilogy, even though I've heard pretty good things about them. But, uh, you know, in the backlog, it'll get there at some point. But uh, that'd be that'd be a fun revisit for us because I I haven't played those ones either. So and supposedly they're rebooting Tomb Raider again. Um, oh, you know, really? since I know uh, Amazon bought the license for it. So and I think Interesting. the director for it. Oh my god, I forgot what she did. Um. It's out there for people that are interested. But yeah, Amazon's uh, looking into making it a cinematic universe. Oh, okay. So imagine Marvel, but Tomb Raider somehow. I, I don't understand it. Maybe they'll, maybe Laura Croft will meet Nathan Drake and it'll just be endless That's Tomb what Raiding. I was thinking because they just did the Tom Holland version, but that's Netflix. Plus, like... I don't know, that Uncharted movie's kinda kinda lame. It was, inter- it was all right. It was yeah, all right. Mark Wahlberg. It was a movie. We needed the yeah, guy that for was that. yeah, that that role didn't make any sense for him. But uh They made that they made that two that character a little too like part of the action. Yeah. And he was never that in the in the games. Yeah, it was kinda odd. But um yeah, Tomb Raider, man. You should have put like Sylvester Stallone in that role. That'd be awesome. Oh God! Hell yeah! Imagine. Instant hit. None. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh my gosh! All right. So there's a franchise out there that we really do enjoy, but it did have a major departure after like the main parts of this game, uh, like the main versions of it, or like the numbers, you know. And it's funny because I feel like this franchise has had two rebirths in its lifetime. And that's Devil May Cry. Hmm. Like Devil May Cry is fantastic. The game is so good and it was like amazing. The first one was so amazing. I loved it. It, Despite the tank controls and everything that made it very difficult. That spider boss, I fucking like I still remember that to this day. I hated that as a kid because it was so damn hard because you can never get the right camera angles to actually see the damn spider. Especially whenever you're running down the hallway. Oh, that was frustrating as hell. But the developers really listened a lot to the fans when it came to the second one, where people were complaining that this game is too hard. uh, And it's just like very, like, kind of hard to tell the character models. Everything looks the same, same color pattern, all that stuff. So they went really, really easy with the next one. And they went really, like, campy and kind of like overly like anime style with the next Devil May Cry 2, which is a horrible game. It's the first, like the only Devil May Cry game that I returned. Like (laughs) I, I, it's funny, I was playing it and then the very next day I went to go return it and the same guy that I bought it from like was there and he's like, oh, you too, huh? And I went, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, you're like the fifth person to return this game. (laughs) Apparently it did not do very well. But then, of course, they come back with three and it's a masterpiece. Like three is amazing. Like it's such a good game. I still remember the twin blades, right? The fire and ice swords, like the brothers that were talking. It's so cool. I I love that stuff. 
but then we see DMC. And that's where it gets like, oh, God, where you're just this bratty emo punk teen that's trying to be like the ultimate edge. Lord. It was just a lot. And I just ugh, it, it really I was like, that's not Dante. Fuck you. <laughs> like, I, I don't want to play this game. Like even the trailers where he just has like the angels all around him, like he's in a massive orgy with a bunch of angels and stuff. Yeah, like, I was like, all right, man. Like I get it, but no, like that's not Dante. <laughs> like it was a lot to take in for sure. Did this come out before Devil May Cry? Oh no, it didn't. I remember Devil May Cry Four being so damn cool, and then DMC came out, and I was just like. What is this? You know, yeah. like I when DMC came out, I don't know why, but I was just so into it. I was like, this game's freaking cool. Like that one <laughs> boss with the news station. I was like, yo, like, I don't know. Like, obviously, the writing in that game is god awful, but there was something about it that was just like. It hit the spot at the time and mm. uh Back when I was being kind of edgy, you know, but um, I don't know. I feel like that game gets a really bad rap. Like, I feel like if you went back to it now, the game was really flashy and I really liked the visuals to some of it in a Mm -hmm. lot of ways where it'd be like you would run and there'd be like big words written on the ground and it it had a flair to it that was kind of cool. It, it was very stylish, and I know for some people they didn't like that because you know Devil May Cry was usually dark, gothic, especially like the first three. And this game kind of made it like your typical adventure game from that generation, but there was something about it that just also felt really fast. Like I, I didn't hate this game when it came out. And I remember the DLC being kind of cool because you play as Virgil. Mm. And I don't know. This game wasn't bad. Now, obviously, when Devil May Cry 5 came out, I was like, oh, yeah, that, you know, it felt good to go back to that old school feel, right? Like the the heavier, not clunkier, but more weight behind your attacks. I feel like with DMC, it was like you didn't really feel that weight. It was just fast paced action. And, um, yeah, because I remember four with like Nero, like that, yep. his hits hit so hard. And the Devil Bringer was such a rad idea. Now, every game does that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, even Final Fantasy 16 has a Devil Bringer in it, where it's like, okay, like, obviously, you guys are the people who made this game. <laughs> like, I get it. Thank oh, you for I the for- nod. God, Ninja Theory was the developer for DMC. Yeah. That's why it was so different. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, that, they were the ones that did Enslaved. Mm-hmm. But I liked Enslaved. Enslaved was yeah, a good game. They did Hellblade. That was fun for a while. Fell off pretty fast. Yeah. I want to give that game another try, but I don't know. I beat it. I beat that game. I actually enjoyed it, but it was the only game I had at the time for that console because it was like the exclusive that came with it. Gotcha. Yeah. It's good, babe. It's good fun all right so another franchise out there that's 
kind of seen, I mean, it's seen its days for sure, uh, is Prince of Persia. Prince of Persia has been around for a while. I still remember the first time I played Prince of Persia, the very first one. Um, I couldn't get out of the room, the very first room. And I got really confused and I turned it off. <laughs> that, that was my first experience with Prince of Persia. And then I didn't touch it until the one, like it's the other one that's just called Prince of Persia that came out, I believe on the 360 actually. Uh, and that was really interesting, but it had this mode in it where, or like it was baked into the game where you can't fall off ledges or like it's impossible to do so. So every time you fell off, your like magic companion would reach out their hand and magically grab you and throw you back on the platform. So it was their way of just doing like a quicker reset instead of you just dying all the time, which I appreciated, but it almost felt like I was, you know, had a seatbelt on the whole time, right? Like there was no real risk to what I was doing. But before that, we had Prince of Persia, Warrior Within. And, you know, like looking at where this game came from, it being a side-scrolling game that was, you know, it had action elements to it, but it wasn't that dark or gritty or anything like that. And then like the Sands of Time games and everything, like they went like so, it was just so interesting. Like they really developed the world out. They made you feel like the the actual emotions of the player, like there was actual like caution and like thing. It, it was just very interesting and a very dark version of this. But it was it kind of the where I expected the franchise to go or where what it was supposed to be. So it just felt right. And it was just a lot of fun to play with that like time change mechanic. So that, that was a really fun one. I did like that with that version of Prince of Persia a lot. Yeah, I never played any of the the rebooted Prince of Persia's. I think I only played like the original back in the day. Mm. They always look kind of cool, but I don't know. Any Ubisoft for me, like things they touch, like, I don't know. I was worried it was going to be like an Assassin's Creed kind of feel to it. So I was just like, eh. Yeah, I mean, you can you can feel that vibe in there for sure. Uh, but like, it was pretty good gory right like you can just go up and cut people's heads off and stuff like that mid-fight which is pretty cool Ooh. especially for this time like that was pretty intense right like it, it wasn't like we had some games that were gory like that but this was more of like i would say a mainstream game that went pretty far with it and like the attacks felt really brutal everything felt really good and, and like the character design itself is really really cool i i like whenever he goes to like his dark like shadow mode or whatever is like god version it's mm. pretty dope actually so, like I, I i like this one a lot it was fun dial in the back a little bit this was a i don't know if you consider it a sequel but it was a dark turn in the franchise i was already getting a little bit more dark uh but for me majora's mask kind of mm. stood out because you know i was a kid when ocarina time came out Played it, loved it. At times, it, that game was actually really dark because before that, Link to the Past was my love. I loved it. It was so, you know, it it was child friendly. In Ocarina of Time, you get to freaking, you know, the undead with the hands coming down. And you get the re-deads going after you. Like the game was kind of freaky a little bit. You go to Majora's Mask, and it's such a different tone right the moon is crashing 
people in town are depressed, right? You see the first day people are like, oh, it's just a weird moon. Like it'll, it'll pass. We'll be fine. And as the days go by, I was about to break out in the talking head song, but, um, it, you see the people start getting really depressed and you start seeing them get very sad and it feels realistic. And something about that creepy face looking down at you the whole time just makes you feel uncomfortable. And some of the characters are just a little unsettling and the side quests in this game are pretty interesting. Like, I feel like they're definitely darker than Ocarina Time. Like, obviously the long, the biggest one is the lover's side quest. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you mess up, it, it gets pretty sad right you you see them depressed and it it's a bummer but there's a lot of sadness in this game and to me it it definitely reached a darker tone that i think definitely carried over later into twilight princess you know because obviously wind waker came after this and it was lighthearted. it was you know, sunshine and rainbows, basically. And then Twilight Princess came around and it was like, oh, we're, we're shifting back into that darker tone. And obviously... I wonder if Wind Waker was like a reaction to Majora. If like... It, I'm wondering if fans were like a, a little upset or confused, right? Or just didn't react well. Because I, I know Majora got really good like recognition for what it did. I'm wondering if they felt like it might have been too much of a departure from the franchise, and that's why they went to Wind Waker. But then they realized, like, no, actually, this is okay. We can do this. I think a lot of people just hated the time. Mm, yeah. And that was difficult to deal with when as a kid. Yeah. And thinking about all my life with games, like, I've hated time limit games with a passion. Like, I'll not play a game because of it. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I persevered through Majora's Mask. Like, I never really thought anything of it, especially when you do the, the song Slow Down Time, which doesn't really feel that much slower. But I was able to get through it, and I loved it. Like, Majora's Mask, to me, is still one of my most favorite Zelda titles just because it's so unique and mm-hmm. dark and different. And the, the people had life to them in a way that you felt people's emotions that I didn't feel in Ocarina time or almost any of the Zeldas after it was, it was such an interesting experience that I feel like, you know, for a lot of franchises that try to make a more adult or darker game, they did it really well with this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it is a big change. I mean, just the moon alone in that game freaked me out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Every Everything about that game was a little creepy and just like a little like extra. But it still felt like Zelda. It still felt like we were in that same world, just in a darker version of it, a more adult version of this. And I mean, it does kind of make sense, too, right? Like, I mean, look at how like old Zelda actually is the game franchise, at least. So like they're just trying to keep up with the people that were fans of the original. And as they get older, the franchise it gets older and it gets more adult and things you know things grow that way and we we see the same thing with all of these franchises really. It, like yeah, sure you can pull at nostalgia and kind of 
get people to play that way. But if you want to keep a franchise alive, you have to update it. And keeping it alive with the original fan base is an easy way to do so. So you just kind of make things age with us and we'll continue playing them. I mean, we see it all the time with a bunch of games. So it's, it's I don't know, it just makes sense. And Majora's Mask was a really interesting game. I never actually went through and finished that game. So I do really want to. It's just the time mechanic really gets to me and can get really frustrating really fast. Mm-hmm. So a title that really stuck out to me, and this is definitely one of those reboots that while loved by a good chunk of people that played it, like it has a very strong cult following. Uh, mm. If you're ever looking for hidden gems in that 360 PS3 era, this is usually one of the ones that are top of the list. So I wouldn't really call it a hidden gem anymore, but it did fly under the radar because the franchise was never really that interesting. I don't know. To me, they always just seemed like copy-paste kind of games after the first one, but the spec ops franchise you know tactical shooters that you know at the time were kind of big more so on computer but there was a bunch of them on the playstation one and i have them i haven't played them i've always been curious about the older ones but spec ops the line was an experience and i know during this time a couple of the war games tried to touch on darker subjects right you look at call of duty's modern warfare where instead of painting you know your character as the wartime hero like we need to take down the enemy you start seeing like oh there's there's a darker side of the war and Mm -hmm. maybe i'm not the hero and we didn't really feel that until spec ops the line where you see the evils of war that maybe a lot of people don't realize how bad war can be. And compared to the old games where it's, you know, you're just shooting, fighting for a cause, this game makes you question your choices. And, you know, obviously I don't want to spoil it, even though it's a pretty old game, but I think it's a game worth experiencing just for the twist and the following repercussions of it, because it it shows that, you know, you aren't the good guys. And I think for a lot of people, especially during that time, you know, militarization was such a big thing in games, you know, and there's that whole propaganda thing about Call of Duty, you know, getting people to join the army. Mm -hmm. And this game, I mean, (laughs) to an extent, it it makes you want to do the opposite. It it does make you anti-war. And for me, like I went into the game, not expecting much. I I knew there was something about it, but I never felt like I would experience what I did with that game. And it, it's fascinating because on, you look at it quickly and you're like, Oh, it's just another typical third person shooter from the time, like whatever. But the story is surprisingly good. And, you know, other than that, I mean, it's, it, it's all right. Like it's not, like gonna blow people's minds but i think has a very important story to tell and 
there's a reason why it has like a small following out there. But besides that, I mean, it was considered a commercial failure. And ever since then, it basically, that was the end of the Spec Ops series, which, I mean, maybe a fitting end just because a franchise focused around war gets old real fast. It gets old, but it's basically was, you know, stopped because the game was anti-war mm-hmm. or shows the evils of it. And it would be kind of weird if a game that is trying to show off the fact that war is not good. It's they're not trying to over glorify it continues to make money off of a franchise of doing that by showing war games that are right. Like it, like making money off of war, about trying to tell people that war is bad. It's a, yeah it's a little weird yeah yeah i mean the i do really enjoy the i i appreciate the message that spec ops is trying to to go after and because we have so many games out there that just overly glorify war uh and they make it so that you are this hero this unstoppable force that can go through and just destroy everything in front of you because you have your friend next to you and you have your gun in your hand right but this game was one of the first ones to show you like the terrors of it, like right? Like the horrors of war. Like I, I think this is the game, right, where they had um people like strung up and you can choose to save them or just shoot them right there. Right? Or like if you wait too long, then they'll get shot by their captors or something like that. Like th- there's a really like crazy difficult situation there that you you were put into in this game and there's a lot of moments like that where you're just faced with these horrible choices, but these choices are real things, like just to show you how dark war can actually be. And I, I think this is, it, it's, I, I do feel like it's a shame that it's not as popular as I think it should be because of how many games go out of their way to overly glorify. But then it makes sense because if you look at your Call of Duty games, I mean, they're sponsored by the army, <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> they they have unlimited budget and marketing. Of course, like Call of Duty is going to bury games like this that are basically sharing, sharing the opposite message, saying that no, like the war isn't as amazing as you really think it is. It's not just like playing a video game at your house, right? Like it's there is a lot to this. It's it's a dark thing to do. It's a horrible, evil thing, and it, yeah. So it, it's a shame. It really is because th- this is a good, it is a good pick right here. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Hope you guys enjoyed a little conversation here on gritty reboots of that video game fr- of different video game franchises. And that like, we've shown you there's a lot and there's a lot of games that we didn't even really like touch on. I mean, it is some games that are super silly, some that take it really interesting, like in a very dark direction or a more serious tone. I mean, I look at, I mean, there's even Sonic with Shadow the Hedgehog, who now all of a sudden has a gun and curses. Like, okay, that's interesting departure, but you know. Hell yeah. It's something different there. And it, there's a lot of these titles that really try and push the envelope. And it, it seems like it's doing one of two things. It's either just trying to get us to talk about that franchise once again, to bring it back to the like people and make them pay attention to it once again, or it's trying to age with its audience. 
it knows that it has a niche group of people that are really into it and they are now older so they don't want to play that same game anymore so why not give them something a little bit more adult or mature and they change with it now not it doesn't always happen to work out the way that they intended it to or they push the envelope too far where it just becomes goofy and it just kind of becomes a joke but it, it's an interesting practice that like is done in across all forms of media movie film books all of it and it, it's i mean it's going to be around forever so i'm here for all those gritty reboots send them our way <laughs> they're going to be interesting they'll be fun to experience some of them will be really great and really revamp an entire franchise and some are just going to be hilarious to talk about <laughs> and maybe become a meme or a joke later so, yeah Anyway, we'll talk to you guys next week with some more games. Uh, but until then, bye for now.